You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 18 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line, it is Mr Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Tool Station Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. And how are you, how are you doing yourself? I'm fine, I'm fine. Did you Good. stay uh, dry this weekend? <laughs> just about, just about. I think, fortunately, it, was, it seems to be quite quite wet in the evenings. I don't know if that, yeah, I don't know if that was the case up and down the... Uh, um, the area, but yeah, it seems to be that uh, yeah, as long as you were inside overnight, let's say it was uh, more late in the day, it was was all right. So yeah, I managed to, but obviously lost a few games unfortunately because of that, didn't we? But yeah, I managed to stay dry yourself. I stayed dry. I um uh, had a trip to the beautiful waterfront city of Portsmouth with my oh. family, and uh, we managed to get out and go down to the beach and go on the pier and all the things that we enjoy doing. So uh, that was fine, but. Um, Others weren't so lucky, particularly on Saturday afternoon. And that is going to be a bit of a feature of this week's um, podcast. Um, Obviously, regular listeners will know that we normally feature an interview with a Premier Division manager and First Division manager. Um, But there weren't that many Premier Division games um, to go through. Indeed, so much so that uh, Tom and I will be talking about all three of them that took place on Saturday Um, So just to change things up a little bit, I know that the weather and the provisions uh, that the league has put in place for managing um, fixture disruption is a subject of great interest, um, well, across the league, let alone to our listenership. Um, So with that in mind, I took the opportunity to speak to George McCaffrey, our fixture secretary, and have a chat through um, his thinking on where we are with this season's Um, fixtures and weather disruption. I can say that we will be having an interview with a manager this week and it will be Spencer Thomas, the manager of AEK Bocco uh, from the First Division. So um, we will be, normal service will be resumed on that front. Um, With that in mind, I think we'll kick things off straight away by heading into our interview with George and before we get into the Premier Division fixtures. Obviously, it was a bad weekend for the weather and I started my conversation with George by asking him to talk us through the fixtures that we lost. Yes, out of the um, intended fixtures, we actually lost eight games. Uh, five in the Premier and three in the First Division. But uh, ten games did go ahead, three in the Premier and seven in the First Division. So three of those games that we lost uh, were, were long-distance games, um, weren't they? So how how, are, um, how will those be rescheduled? Well, obviously, uh, the plan is to uh, create a Saturday and uh, because we don't want to have to send the clubs down either way from, you know, Bristol down to um, Cornwall or Cornwall up to Bristol on a midweek. So, as you're aware, we had the blank Saturdays earlier in the season, which we left open for during the FA Cup and the FA Vars rounds. And what we're able to do was pull fixtures forward, which created blank Saturdays in January, February and March. So now it's my job to move these fixtures into those Saturdays, which don't always line up, of course. It's never that easy. So what I do is um, it's quite simple. The Mousel and Ashton and Backwell is easy. They both have a Saturday available in February, and so that game will automatically get moved. Um, The falmouth Sherborne, there was no alignment, and Falmouth only have 
one spare Saturday, which was the last day of the season. So I'm having to move Sherbourne's game from the last day of the season to a midweek, and then they can go down to Falmouth on a, the last day of the season. But again, this produces a conflict because they're actually scheduled to play the week before as well. So they will be playing each other on the 15th and 22nd of April. And then the Ilfracombe-Helston game was far more complex and they had to move two games to get them on a Saturday together. So I, I say to supporters and clubs and managers that you may see some of your fixtures moved, but you haven't had any postponements and you're wondering what's going on. Well, this is a reason why, because I'm trying to make it fair on all clubs so that these long distance journeys can be completed um, on a Saturday. Falmouth don't have any more spare Saturdays. So if I have any more postponements down there, the likelihood is that we will have to send somebody down to Falmouth on a midweek on a rearranged fixture. Um, it's not something I want to do, but it, we've tried everything. We've done everything in our ability to make sure it doesn't happen. But that's what happens when the weather starts to bite. I mean, we've had managers on the podcast talking about sort of the changes to the fixtures that we've had so far this season. And of course, it's going to be the sort of thing that supporters will talk about as well. But yeah. I, I guess weekends like the one we've just had are the reason why it happens, because if you don't move those fixtures in the way that you did, even if at the time people don't really understand the logic behind it, yeah. it's, it's this creation of these spare Saturdays that, yeah. that is the critical issue. Yes, Absolutely. You look at some clubs, um, the likes of Canesham, you know, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six spare Saturdays next season. Is it, that's the way it works. But as I say, Falmouth um, don't have any. And then I've got, then I've got teams like um, Barnstable who've only got one left as well. You know, so we, we're right on the edge. But if I can by doing musical fixtures, as I call it, if I can move a local game to create a Saturday, that's what I will do. And some people think, well, why are they moving our game? Well, that's the reason why. I'm just trying to be fair to the long distance travellers, but I've got to make people aware that we are very close to having to schedule midweek long distance journeys. Because obviously, I mean, you, you went through the sides that were impacted by the weather this weekend, but, you know, the, 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 the other issue, the other side of this coin yeah. for those people who are listening is that when you're then rescheduling those local fixtures in, in able to facilitate um, the games that you're trying to reschedule, there's a domino effect, isn't there? So, yeah. you know, it, it, Ashton and Backwell against Mousel or Sherbourne uh, against um, Falmouth, it, it will happen, but it may involve you moving other fixtures as well to accommodate, which, of course, is inevitably going to impact upon other clubs. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And the prime example is Sherbourne. To get Sherbourne down to Falmouth, I had to move their Barnstable game but I had to move that to midweek. So instead of going to Falmouth midweek, they're having to travel to Barnstable midweek, which in itself is not appetising, because, I mean, for them it's 80 miles, but as we know, the road is not the best. Um, but that's what we have to do. But I can only do that in conjunction with the clubs. 
And I sent an email late, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning to all the clubs, thanking them for their positive reaction to my requests for moving and the support that they're giving me. I'm very open with anybody who's prepared to call me and wants to discuss it. And, um, but certainly the club secretaries have responded very well. You know, it is a difficult situation. We know that we've come up with a solution. Um, it was forced upon us by the FA, you know, during the uh, restructuring. We always said it was difficult. We were very fortunate last season um, that we got through such a mild winter. But if we have a bad winter, really concerned that there will be some long journeys having to be undertaken by the clubs midweek. If I can just pick up on one of the points you just made there, you, you said that um, we have a solution. It was forced on us by the FA. Can you just expand upon that a bit? What, what, what is the solution? Well, the solution is that we, we've gone into agreement with the Peninsula League. I'm sure most of your listeners have heard about this. And this is, um, so we're forming a new league and um, that's going to be launched early in the new year and all the information will come out. But as far as I'm concerned, what we're doing is we're creating a new, what's called in the FA parlance, Step 5 League. So another Premier Division. So we will have a new league uh, premier division in the north and one in the south. So the southern teams at step five will play in that division and um, we'll reduce the numbers slightly down to 18 and to achieve that. And then our div one, which is a step six division, will align with the two Peninsula League step six divisions. And um, we'll have some club movement there because um, the, the borders have to be drawn depending on the numbers that we receive. And obviously, we'll bring some new clubs in from the counties. We've spoken to them and we've spoken to the clubs. Everybody's on board with it, but it takes an awful lot of work. One, to create the new setup, but also to get it in operation while still doing our day-to-day -day stuff with the current league. Um, so if we move from the travel side of things to the sort of financial side of things, and I do appreciate that the two of those things are inextricably linked. Yeah. Um, but um, obviously both clubs, in a, in a situation where a fixture is lost, you know, inevitably both clubs will lose money because obviously the hosting yeah. club doesn't get the game and doesn't get the secondary spend. Yeah. But, um, you know, for those clubs that have, have obviously done the travelling, um, like the Ashton and Backwells, like the Sherbournes, they face the prospect of another and expensive away day. So is there any financial support available from the league for those clubs? Yes. The, 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 when we realised that this situation could occur, the, the board got together, lots of planning meetings, and a fund was set up. And Dave Brammer, the, um, the finance director, is controlling that. And as far as I'm aware, the, um, the club that's travelling has the ability to contact, uh, submit invoices and support, financial support will be provided um, as we did last season. You've sort of answered this, George, but I want, to, I want to ask it explicitly. If we look ahead, we're only in, well, we're not even in December at the moment. No. No. Um, if we look ahead to the, to, the, to the coming weeks, you know, what can we do to deal with, the, with, with any future late postponements? It, it, it is a difficult one because um, for those that don't know, 
the criteria from the FA is that the only person who's allowed to postpone the game is the match referee. Earlier this season, and I introduced it last season, um, I spoke to the clubs and said, look, because we used to use a local referee who would come in and whatever, and that's great, but we don't need to do that. We've got modern technology. We can use FaceTime, WhatsApp, whatever. We can use a video call. So the referee, the match referee himself, can be talking to the home club. They can go out and kick a ball around. They can show him their concerns. So one, it's reducing the costs. Two, you know, the referee doesn't have to go to the ground. Again, saving costs. And, um, and what, what the clubs have been told is that what you need to do, and this is why, unfortunately, it didn't work this weekend, because, the, as I said, right at the very beginning, the clubs have been in consult communication with each other and the match officials, but the pitches were playable. So even though they'd done um, a video inspection, the, the pitch was playable and they were happy to go with it. And it was just that that downpour came um, late morning yes it was forecast but how many times has it been forecast and it's never arrived so we can't postpone just on forecast somebody mentioned to me yesterday that there was a yellow warning well I wasn't aware of that and neither the clubs have told me that but that's something that I'll go back to the board and discuss that if if we do have an amber warning then maybe that's where as a league, we can take proactive stance and make that decision for the clubs because we do have that authority um, on occasions of severe weather. Um, but as I said, I wasn't aware of that on Saturday morning. I was just told it was rain. And with all that in place, you've got to say, well, what else can we do? I'm not sure there is anything else we can do because if I've got 5% chance of getting that game on and it's a long distance, surely I've got to take that risk. Because if I don't, then the club are likely to have to travel down midweek from now on. So I, if, I've, if there's a small window of opportunity, I've got to say to that club, please travel down and um, we've got to take that risk. If we add ample time and endless Saturdays available. Of course I wouldn't. I would have called it off on Friday and gone, yeah, yeah, we'll move that. We've got plenty of dates available, but we can't. And so it's very easy to sit on the, the sidelines and shout and moan and groan. But actually, when you look at it in detail, it's very, very difficult trying to save a club having to travel from Cornwall up to Bristol on a Tuesday night. It, it does strike me that we're, we're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea here, George, because on, on the face of it, you know, um, certainly from a spectator's perspective, one of the first things you do on a Saturday morning is to check what the weather's going to be like to go to the game that you want to watch in the afternoon. But of course, I think one of the things that I've learned over the years of doing the podcast is that the more you speak to people like yourself and the people, you know, the managers, the players, and in particular, the chairman and the volunteers at the club, those games don't put themselves on, do they? They, no. you know, they require um, quite a lot of investment sometimes financially yeah. in order to bring in the, you know, the, 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 the beer and the food and all the rest yeah. of it. And obviously a lot of organization. And like you say, there is a tendency that we, we you know, we actually, we want to be playing games, don't we? I yes. mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Then yeah. again, you look at the weather forecast and think, oh, well, it was pouring with rain all day. Was that game ever going to get get played? So I, I guess 
a lot of the decisions that you're making are based on the quality of the information and indeed the willingness of the clubs to get these games on if they possibly can, notwithstanding what you've said yeah. about the potential impact of midweek fixtures and also the impact on other clubs having to change their fixtures in yeah. order to facilitate any postponements. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, you know, you know, people say, oh, look, it was pouring down, you should have postponed. Well, we actually played 10 games in the Tour Station League. I had a quick look. Uh, Wendron played on Saturday. And for those who don't know, Wendron is associated uh, very nearby Helston in Cornwall in the Peninsula League. And they actually played on Saturday. How can I go, oh, it's going to rain, uh, let's postpone it. It's just that thing, risk and reward. And uh, the penalty is that, yeah, I could be very flippant, postpone them early, but we're going to end up having to send clubs midweek. And unfortunately, I believe we're 55% through the season, only halfway. As I've identified, we've already used up some Saturdays for a couple of clubs, so it's going to make it very difficult for me if we have future postponements, to go further. And don't forget, we have Bridgewater, Buckland and Clevedon, and they're still in the bars. So every time they win and move on, there's another three games that have to be rescheduled. Yeah. Yeah, which is a problem that we'd like to have. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> obviously, we wish all three clubs well this coming Saturday. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things there about those clubs that you mentioned there, of course, is Buckland. And whilst um, we were lucky that last season we did have a mild winter and we shouldn't forget about all the football that we lost due to COVID the seasons before that. Before yeah. before that, there was the Buckland doomsday scenario, wasn't there? Where I, I, I can't remember. Can you remind me how many yeah, games absolutely. they had to play? Ten, ten games in 12 days. Because including, that, that... Including the Les Phillips Cup final, bless them. Because that's the inevitable consequence, isn't it, of yeah. games being postponed over the months of January and February. The, the FA, you know, whatever latitude you may have to reschedule fixtures, you have a drop-dead date from the FA. And I think in the post-COVID world, there is no appetite whatsoever to be pushing that drop-dead date back. No, and, and the big thing is, of course, that we've got to finish on the 22nd of April because on the 29th of April... Our runners-up are likely to be in a playoff game against the Southern League side. And so we have to have that in place. Um, that wasn't so with Buckland, but with the FA still forced us. They, uh, they gave us an extra week then, but they can't now. There is no movement at all. Our league has to finish on the 22nd of April. Um, just one final question before I let you go, because I do appreciate, you know, you taking the time to um, to speak right. to us. Um, how long have you been the fixture secretary for? I've forgotten that. Probably um, six years, I think, something like that. I came in, it was, uh, you know, it, I think Buckland situation was my second year. And then we went in, as you say, went into COVID. And then we went into the uh, non-league restructure so I haven't really had a comfortable season uh, since taking the role. And that, and because our, certainly at step five level, our league has grown and grown and grown in terms of the travel, uh, travel distances. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is. And uh, it, it's unfair on the clubs 
Yes, we can say the Cornish clubs knew what they were coming into, but they've still got to finance that. You know, yeah. they're travelling over 5,000 miles a year. The average our clubs are travelling is just over 3,000. Um, but that's almost double what it was um, when I started. So, you know, it is a great financial constraint, especially with the increasing cost of travel now as well. You know, you're throwing that on top of our situation. So, yeah, I feel for the clubs and I can do is the hopefully the club secretaries will tell you, I will li liaise and arrange as much as I can around their individual needs. And my thanks to George uh, for his time. Now, of course, you will notice that one of the games that we uh, that we lost over the weekend was the game at Mausel, and which was a shame because they were going to use the match to pay tribute to the memory of Reese McLean, um, who sadly passed away at the age of only 23. The Mausel manager, Jake Asher, of course, we've had on the podcast many times has uh, given an interview to the BBC, which was tweeted out by the Western League. I tweeted it as well, so hopefully you will be able to find it on social media. Um, it was incredibly moving and incredibly insightful as to the impact <clears throat> that sad tragedy had, um, not just on uh, on the community, uh, on the footballing community within Mousel, but but the wider non-league um, community as well. Now, regular listeners will, of course, be familiar with what the Western League have been doing to highlight the importance of mental well-being through our partnership with Mind. And I can say that I have spoken with Kevin Bishop at Mausel um, about what we've learnt uh, in in order to try and help their efforts um, to raise awareness of this important subject. And I and I am. I'm proud to say that actually Kevin's um, work in this area has been incredibly helpful and insightful for me, and hopefully that's something that all clubs in the Western League will, will benefit from. Um, but for now, um, please listen to the interview that Jake Ash gave to Jack Murley and take a moment to remember the former Mausel player, Rhys McLean. Now we'll move on to the fixtures that were played on Saturday the 26th of November. In the Premier Division, we kick things off at Clevedon Town, where the visitors were Somerset rivals Welton Rovers. Tom, it was a close encounter. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this was um, yeah, well, it was just well, probably the closest to the lot in the, in the Prem, obviously. Only, only three games beat the weather, as you say, but it was a 2-1 win uh, eventually. Uh, for for Clevedon over Welton, uh, and it was pretty dramatic. Yeah, and it, I've, interestingly enough, I noted noted somebody uh, on 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 social media had um, uh, made a point to say this was the hundredth meeting between the two sides, which I thought was quite interesting. But uh, yeah, it did go Clevedon's way this one. We went ahead uh, during added time at the end of the first half through Archie Ferris, uh, but uh, yeah, Welton to their credit did did come back into it, and it was a really good set piece goal from Ben Witch, which uh, got them level on about the hour mark or so. So obviously that set the game up. Pretty well going into the the final half hour, and it was uh, the home side who uh, yeah who, who grabbed all three points, and it was Ferris popping up again, uh, firing home pretty late on uh, to to give Cleveland all three points. Now of course we had Kensham on the podcast last week. They were at home to uh, to Shepton Mallet. We did wonder, we speculated how the change of management would impact on Shepton Mallet. Whether this was a good time to play them, Tom? Well, it turned out not to mm -hmm. be. No, absolutely. It was, uh, yeah, well, perfect start for that new management team, as you say. Well, near perfect, I would say. 6-0 win for Mallet away at Cainsham. Obviously have 
uh, over the last week or so picked up a yeah picked up a bit of a head of steam. So um, yeah, to lose six nil is a bit of a bit of a hit for them. But uh, yeah, Mallet to their credit was um, yeah they were unstoppable in the first sort of half hour or so. I think five and left after 25 minutes. So game set and match by that point. Um, yeah, well, fantastic result and get them get them back on the horse really. Obviously, Finn Finn Wilkinson setting the ball ball rolling after about 11 minutes or so. Uh, and then, yeah, further goals. Uh, Matt Wood, for the, the captain, heading home. Uh, Callum Gould then making it 3-0 pretty soon after. Uh, and then it was Jacob Stoggart's penalty, uh, making it 4-0. Uh, and then the final goal in that in that early spell was from Danny Constable. After, as I say, 25 minutes or so, 5-0 up. Um, game's pretty much gone. Uh, and then Constable did add a further goal in the second half. But, uh, yeah, real, uh, real, well, dominant performance from Mallet away at uh, Canesham. And uh, it was a day for away results, wasn't it? Obviously, with the notable exception of the Clevedown, uh, the Clevedon mm-hmm. Town one that we kicked things off with. But um, Street, they entertained Barnstable and it was Barnstable who went home happy. Yeah, they did. And it was uh, two goals in the final 20 minutes or so. So it was a pretty, pretty, pretty close affair, pretty, pretty quiet affair, I think, during the first sort of first hour or so. Uh, uh, goalless at that stage. And then it was a, a free header from Callum Laird, finally broke the deadlock. Uh, and then in uh, yeah in stoppage time it was Stu Bowker uh, adding a, adding a late second so Barnstable with uh, two 0 winners away at Street. If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now we take a look into the first division and we're going to kick things off at FC Bristol, of course. They've been um, setting the league alight early season. We've had them on the podcast already and their aspirations were very much about looking up, not looking down. Well, um, whichever way they were looking, Mm -hmm. they didn't see Warminster Town coming. It was a fantastic um, result there um, for the Wiltshire side. Yeah, it really was. I don't think, yeah, don't think many people would have predicted this this scoreline. Uh, but a four 0 win for Warminster, as you say, away at, away at FC Bristol, uh, and it was uh, similar to uh, similar to Shepton, who we 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 noted in the in the Premier for another block. Warminster very much the same. Uh, three goals up pretty early on, really. Uh, Tyson Pollard, uh, Wilstead, and then uh, yeah, Max White. He's having a great season, so uh, yeah, he made it three 0 and um, yeah, they were well pretty. Pretty far out and away by that point. Uh, and there was a further goal midway through the second half from Corey Gardner, putting the cap on the victory. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty rare home defeat for FC Bristol, but uh, Warminster 4-0 victors. So a yeah, fantastic result for, for, for the, uh, the Warminster side. Um, Gillingham Town, um, they've been undergoing something of a renaissance. I know it hit the buffers recently, but they'd still been on a good run of form. They took on Hengrove Athletic, one of those sides that's in and around them. Um, but um, Hengrove proving that they on their day, as their manager told the podcast earlier this season, they are a match for anyone. They really are. Yeah, there's um, yeah a two two one win and uh, plenty of late drama in this one. So uh, Hengrove uh, scoring right at the death to steal all three points. Uh, James Boyland had had struck for the home side, making it one all. Uh, J- uh, Jacob Grinnell uh, having having also uh, scored for, for the visitors. Uh, so that, yeah, set up. That was pretty early in the second half. It was one apiece. So, uh, yeah, set up an entertaining second half. And, uh, yeah, 94th minute that final goal came, uh, the decisive uh, winner, and that was from super sub Dylan Gould. Uh, he made it made it 2-1. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Hengrove very much a, 
a team slap bang in form now. I think three winning three of the last four and drew the other ones. So uh, yeah, ten points from possible twelve, but a, a bigger away win at the informed Gillingham. Hallen uh, are a team that have sort of been in and out of form this season, haven't they? I think much to the frustration of Stu Jones, their manager. Of course, Stu's a big fan of the podcast and uh, we know that he'll be listening in. So um, it is with great pleasure that I say that on this occasion, Hallen were very much bashing the Bishops. They were, yeah. This was uh, yeah the most one-sided game of the afternoon, definitely. And it was a couple of players in particular really standing out. Uh, a 7-0 win for Hallen uh, and it was a couple of hat-tricks. Corey Thomas Barker uh, and Elliot Gardner, uh, both scoring hat-tricks in this game. Uh, Gardner first to, to reach the landmark midway through the second half. And then, yeah, a couple of minutes later, uh, Halland awarded a penalty. And it was Thomas Barker who was on two goals at the time, given the honours. And, uh, yeah, he completed a treble of his own. So, uh, yeah, those two star performers leading Halland to a 7-0 win at home to Bishop's Lydgate. And finally, in the first division... Long time, I think it would be fair to say, league leaders, well, City. Um, recently, I think, came off the top of the division because they didn't have a game. Um, coming up against AEK Bocco, who've been on a torrid run of results, Tom, an absolutely torrid run of results. Now, on paper, there was only ever going to be one winner. But football mm-hmm. is not a game that's played on paper. It's played on grass. And on the grass of Wells City, this was a result that sent them loco down in AEK Bocco. <laughs> it absolutely was, yeah. So um, a 3-2 win uh, for the away side uh, at Wales. And as you say, I don't think anyone would have... Uh, yeah, well, one of the biggest surprises of the season today, isn't it? Uh, Wales on this long, long run of... Um, without suffering defeat, I think this was uh, their first since early September, I think, or early August, in fact. I think first league defeat since since August. So that really does put it... Uh, put it... put it uh, put a shine on how big a result this was. And Bocco... <laughs> Coming into the game without a win in 12, uh, 12 games in all comps. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it was one of those. I don't think there was updates during the afternoon. So I think once I saw the result in the evening, it was sort of double checking and triple checking and making making sure that it was the right way around and all these sorts of things. But, yeah, and really an impressive, well, vitally impressive, uh, mightily impressive performance from Bocco to, to go there and score three goals. Uh, away at Wales and uh, yeah 3-2 winners uh, they were and it was Wales missing out on the opportunity to go top as well so a big afternoon uh, in the first division title race potentially. With that fantastic result in mind there was only one thing I could do and that is speak to the AEK Bocco manager Spencer Thomas we've had him on the podcast before lovely lovely man Um, they have been on a very difficult run of defeat so I started my conversation with Spencer by asking whether he thought he could actually get anything out of that game at Wells. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, we go, we go, we go in every game where we think we should be able to get a result. But um, yeah, we 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 know we've been in a bit of a bad spell at the moment. And um, but we would always we would always go to every game um, and try and get what we can out of it. And Saturday proved that exactly what we could do. Um, and that was back to us at our best, totally at our best Saturday. Um, as a club and as a squad and as a group of players and individuals and staff and everyone who works with us, we all know the situation we've had over the last probably 10 games or so. Um, we've had numerous in- problems with, with injuries and, and suspensions and just, you know, the typical things that go on in every every tour station football week in, week out. But listen, we're not going to, we're not going to put that to any excuses because we have been on occasions, we have been, we have been pouring that ourselves down, but we know that on our day that we can do what we did Saturday. So 
yeah, that that gives us great hope going forward now for for especially coming up to Christmas and after Christmas, second half of the season. We'll fingers crossed we can um, start putting some points back on the board. So, was it the archetypal? Unable to put out the best eleven. I mean, you know, is it a strength in depth issue that has caused that sort of that difficult run of results? And does that mean that when you went to Wales, you were at full strength? Yeah, no, we and we certainly went at full strength. We had players missing. We probably had uh, four players at least I can think off the top of my head that were missing Saturday out of our first team first team squad that would probably be be pushing for a starting place. So, so no, we we we've had we we had different sides most weeks going over the last period of games in this year uh, it has been it's been almost like um square pegs in round holes playing people that we're trying to put a side out that that we think's right and it's not quite quite worked how we wanted it to but we were we are gradually getting back to where we were and um we stuck to what we we believe in and that is sticking with players in the club as much as we can i did i've got to be honest there was a there was an occasion i have i did sign a couple of players from outside uh, or or Local boys just to try and strengthen us up, and as that happens, you know some of that, some of it works and some of it don't, and we are now probably on the verge of getting another two back this week. So we've got another tough week in front of us where we got Bishop's Cleve uh, Wednesday night in the GFA Cup and Brisbane obviously Saturday, which is at home. So we got we got we certainly got a tough week in front of us. Well, we'll be talking about that Brislington game um, a bit later. But when we look at the sort of the fixture list and we look at the way that your results went, the season started so well for you. I mean, what were your expe- expectations when you went into this season? My expectations was obviously to try and um, st- uh, stabilise us for another season in the tour station as a as a club, um, give as much youth experience uh, that is already at the club. Like I keep saying, uh, and said many times, and will keep saying it that. The, the young lads, the 18s that are coming through, uh, that I think we've probably had three or four of them uh, make their debuts during the last 10 games. Um, so we, we know that's coming through in the background. Obviously, I'd like to have more points on the board where we could keep trying to try to influx more of that. But um, at present, we've obviously got to try and get some more some more wins, and then we can then build on that at uh, the tail end of the season. Fingers crossed, where we can add add more youth in there to to gain some experience for the next season. So, yeah, it's a long process. It's a long, it's a long, long uh, winded sort of exercise that we want to do and what I'm trying to do anyway. And um, sometimes it can bite you um, because the results are not there and that's when people or you, you get a, a bit of criticism from, from outside or, or wherever saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's caught up with us. But we'll stick to what we believe and we're, we're, we're certainly going to try and keep to the philosophy of, um, of bringing, bringing that youth through the club. What about the longer-term view, then? I mean, you know, th- the way you started this season and some of the results you've had this season would suggest that, you know, you've got aspirations to be spending your time at the top of the first division table, not necessarily in the middle of it, where you are at the moment. So, I mean, would you like to take this Bocco side into, the, uh, into step five? Yeah, of course you would. Of course I would. And... and, and but that, that is the whole the reason of doing it. But there's got to be there's got to be um, a backup plan, basically. That you know when you 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 do get the chance to go up, that that you've got more and more experience in in the squad, um, which the, the the side will gain now um, at this level and playing these seasons where we are. 
And if we are fortunate or we do progress later on in life that we can push for, for a promotion place, then then that's only going to be valuable for us because the, the younger ones that are coming in now making their debuts, you know, the three or four 16-year-olds that's played this season, you know, they could be 18, 19, and they'll have more experience than they're about. You, you, you've got an influx. You've got, you've got players coming through. So well, we, 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 that's the way I believe that we should do it. Um, and if we can do it, yeah, then we, that, that's fantastic. And yeah, by all means, I've definitely got ambitions. Don't get me wrong. We, there's nothing better to be able to be able to get promotion or or, or go up a league. Um, but everything's got to be right on and off the football pitch. It's not all about just what we're trying to do and trying to achieve as players. You know, the whole the whole club and, um, has has got to be at the right place at the right time. Which we, we're, we're getting to. We will we'll, we'll get to it eventually. You know. So fingers crossed. Well, I mean, that obviously that we you know a lot of what we've talked about on the podcast this season has been about the merger with the um, the Southwest Peninsula League and what that will mean to both Step Six and Step Five football within our structure. And I guess does the prospect of a more localised um, Step Five league does that make it more realistic for a side like AEK Bocco, where you know if you'd have done it before now, there would have been the prospect of much farther much yeah. longer journeys yeah of course oh, and, and obviously that comes down to a lot of, there's a lot of uh, reasons and, and, and finger points to where we've got to be with with money etc budgets etc coach trips etc you know you just got to listen and speak to, to other clubs that are, are actually above us now we're going to travel off and I think Ashton and Bathwell was it Saturday went down the mountain and got called off down there uh, as they were actually entering Cornwall so you know that sort of financial uh, influence on the game, on the, on our on our club, it's all got to come into the factors of where we want to go with it. Um, and we haven't, we haven't, or I certainly haven't got sat down with anyone at our club to, to even discuss it, that that situation at the moment. But with, with regards to being it localised and, and where we will be, we'll just we'll just deal with what whatever league we end up in the next season. So. Fingers crossed, we can um, we can have a good season this year and keep us where we want to be, uh, and then we can crack on next season and and then we can really look at it, evaluate where we want to be. Well, let's talk about this season. Uh, let's talk about the top sides you've played because I think you played all of them, haven't you? Uh, I mean, when we look at the likes of Brislington and Nowsey and Tickenham and Wells, of course, who you beat at the weekend. Uh, not not forgetting old, you know Oldland Abertonians. Yeah, Which yeah. No, side? No. There's some Ooh. good sides. There. There's there's some very strong sides there this season, and and uh, we've obviously been on the two ends of Nelsey where we 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 beat them at our place um, earlier on in the season. We beat them at our place, and and then we went down to their place and got thumped nine one. Which obviously again there is a lot of factors and reasons behind that result, which I'm not going to obviously go into because there's some of it's personal to, the, to certain individuals at our club, but. We went down there, and it was a it was one of those wobbly days where things went totally wrong, you know, and we, we lost. But as as performances wise at our place, we were superb against Nelsey, but they are very good sides. So as you know, league tables don't lie. Like I keep telling you, the goals they're scoring, um, the side they had were, were fantastic. To be fair to them, so same as Brislington. Brislington um, will be a very tough, very tough game this Saturday at our place, and um, we we play them. A- uh, a month ago, back in the Les Phillips, um, and we we done ourselves good, you know, justice. We played, we we really had a go. We we lost 
uh, 2-0, but the second goal was uh, conceded in about the 93rd minute, I think. So, yeah, and then we come away, especially on a poor run, what we were on at the time, with a bit of positivity out of that one. Um, yeah, and, and again, well, City were, when they come up, I think probably were, probably would have been, probably I'd say were the best team we played. Uh, when they come off our place, that we they really they really give us a good game. They were uh, they were about three 0 up early and controlled all the way through and played some good football. But we've gone down there Saturday and turned it around the other way. So we're delighted with that because, um, like I said, it proves that, that overall we can we can we can produce performances against sides. It's just consistency, and that does come with a lot of inexperience and a lot of youngsters that that will will. Uh, will move up and, up and down in the form uh, that they will provide every week. So, yeah, there's um, there's some good sides out there, and it's, it's it's tough, but there's no reason why we can't have a push on now for this part of the season and try and, and try and make our way into the top half of the table. Well, we're going to learn a lot about Ak Bocco from yeah. your game against Brislington. You're yeah. going to learn an awful lot about your side. I think it will be a fascinating fixture on uh, on Saturday, and I hope that as many people as possible get a chance to go and watch it. Yeah, definitely, most definitely. And, and again, for, for, from our perspective, the support that I've been given at the club, you know, uh, it's been again fantastic. We, we're getting good crowds in week in week out up there, even though the performances haven't been brilliant. And yeah, I'm, I, believe me, I'm the first one to go in the in the clubhouse after and. And face, and I will do. And I said it to the to the to the squad. You know, I will stick up for them and, and go and speak to people, whoever I got to see, and, and do what you got to do, especially when results ain't, ain't going your way. But you can't have everything, and you've got to be able to go in there and and take it take it on the chin and and try and get results and make things better, which we did Saturday. Walking back into the clubhouse Saturday after Wells was was a lovely feeling because you know a lot of people had come up to us and 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 were chuffed a bit with the result. Was that meant a lot, you know, because you could just see that. Yeah, there was a bit of relief in there that there's um there was definitely a good performance that was needed and it was due. So yeah, come up get get as many people down there because the hospitality as everyone knows behind the scenes um that the club do is is fantastic. Um you know, everybody's welcome. I think everybody likes to enjoy going in the clubhouse after the game as well as during the game. So um yeah, if we can get a big crowd up there, tough game. Obviously, my old mate Lee Perks there. I obviously grew up with Lee as a player and a youngster all the way up. So we were, you know, 18s, etc. We, I spoke to him today, funny enough, and uh, and um, both said we're looking forward to Saturday. And and um, he, he like he said to me, he said, don't don't put a performance on like you did last Saturday, please. <laughs> so we, uh, so uh, yeah, we, we'll do our best against them, but we know it's going to be tough. We know it's going to be tough because they are. They've got some very good players, which everybody knows. Um, yeah, let's see what happens. And my thanks to Spencer for his time. Now, we will take a look ahead to the games that will be played on Saturday, the 3rd of De- December. Or we would if we weren't going to start with the games being pl- with a game being played on Friday the second of December. We have got the FA Vars this weekend, and as George McCaffrey alluded to in his interview earlier, we've still got three sides involved in that competition. And Bridgewater kick us off with a seven forty-five kickoff on Friday the second of September of December. That game is at home. It's at Bridgewater. They take on Cribs, of course formerly of this parish, um, going very, very well, it would have to be said, in their division. You know, this is going to be, you know, in both leagues, a top-of-the-table clash. 
I, I what what a game. What an absolute what a what a game this will be to watch. Buckland Athletic, they take on Laverstock and Ford. That's on Saturday, the 3rd of December. And Clevedon Town, of course, conquerors of Welton Rovers, uh, they take on uh, New Milton Town also on Saturday, um, the 3rd of December. Both of those games, I believe, kicking off at 3 o'clock. But please, listeners, do check. Please check your club social media um, website, whatever it is, full-time, um, just to make sure that they haven't been brought for. But at the moment, um, it does look like those are three o'clock kickoffs. Uh, now, we will take a look into the Premier Division on Saturday. Tom, what game has caught your eye there? Come for a Cornish derby um, between Torpoint and Thom. Um, yeah, interested to see how this one goes. I think, um, yeah, a couple, of, a couple of derby games this weekend as well, worth noting Wellington uh, Street in the in the Somerset clash as well. So, uh, yeah, I think the one that yeah just tipped, tipped my fancy a little bit more, Torpoint Farmouth, and that's my uh, yeah Premier Division uh, game of the day on Saturday, I think. We'll also have a look in the First Division, of course. Tom, what game has caught your eye in the First Division? I'm looking for a couple of uh, couple of sides that need to rebound after after surprising defeats on the weekend. We touched on both uh, during the roundup just now, so we've got FC Bristol at home again, uh, and they take on Wells, who obviously uh, yeah hit with that major setback at, at home to to Bocco on Saturday. So yeah, those two teams meeting uh, at, at FC Bristol on on Saturday. So uh, yeah, who 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 responds better? And my attention is drawn to a game at Southfield's Recreation Ground. That's Radstock Town. They take on Hengrove Athletic. Normally. Games between Radstock and Hengrove, regardless of where they're played, games I try to get along to. Got a lot of friends at both clubs, really welcoming, um, lovely clubs, lovely games to go and watch. So I thoroughly recommend this fixture. Um, be fascinating to see who comes out on top here, of course. Radstock, Ray Johnson turning their fortunes around uh, in the last few weeks. And um, Jamie Hillman, where we talked about that fantastic win that they had um, on uh, on the podcast earlier. That Ladies and gentlemen, is a two o'clock kickoff, as I believe is odd down against Cheddar and Bristol Telephones against Almondsbury. But please, 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 please check. Uh, right, one last thing to do before we um, draw a line under this week's podcast, and that is to have a little bit of a look at the leading goal scorers, the hot shots, Tom. So, can you take us through who our golden boot winners currently are? Hey, yeah, absolutely. So, I think I'll go for the, uh, yeah, have a look at all competitions. I think this week will be the. Uh, with the, uh, the yeah a couple of league uh, couple of league games couple of cups cup fixtures and whatnot going on at the moment so yeah I think in in all comps we've got Jack Fawn who recently joined Bridgewater he's top so he's got 21 league goals for Nelsie and Tickenham in the first uh, but he's uh, yeah and leading the way in all comps uh, now at Bridgewater as we say on 22 goals so he's uh, he's top of the charts at the moment then got Sasha Tong of uh, FC Bristol uh, on 21. Uh, and then three chaps on 20 goals so far this year in all comps, which is which is well fantastic, isn't it? Uh, you got Scott Bamford of Shirehampton, slightly different name to to what we've had over the last few years, but then a couple of couple of uh, yeah Western League stalwarts I would say coming up next. You've got Luke Bryan of Odd Down, uh, he's got 20, and then Adam Wright of Wells, he's also on 20. So those are the top five at the moment. Uh, you then got Jacob Brown of uh, Bridgewater, who's actually leading the way in the uh, in the Premier Division goals at the moment. He's on 18 in all comps. Uh, and then you've got Curtis Damarell of Torpoint, who's uh, yeah doing extremely well in a, a side, you could say, a, a struggling slightly. So, yeah, fantastic uh, start to the season for him. He's got 18 goals in all comps, just like Brown. So that's the uh, yeah that's how the uh, the hot shots are going at the moment. Excellent stuff, Tom. And um, we have, of course, been reviewing your excellent uh, bulletin. Can you uh, just remind the listeners and um, where they can find that? 
Yeah, of course. That's on the uh, Toolstation uh, Western League website. And if you scroll about halfway down the homepage, uh, you'll come to uh, a sort of tab that will take you to the uh, the most recent uh, bulletin. And, and you can find all the older ones as well, if, if, if needs be. But yeah, that comes out every week and uh, looking back and looking forward and whatnot. So uh, yeah, all your updates and that'll be in there every week, as I say. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you so much for your time this week. Pleasure. And um, well, I was going to say, I look forward to you joining me next week. I think the other thing I look forward to, let's all keep our fingers crossed, listeners. Uh, let's make sure, well, let's just hope that the weather behaves itself and we don't lose any more fixtures because uh, whatever gets played next week, uh, we'll be talking about it on the Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>